And they had told us about this girl. And and so we were like, okay. So he played something, and it was like, Princess of the Posse, she said, you said, cool one. She rhymed Jamaican and she rhymed Jamaican, you know, that yes. whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love her voice. Right. And so I had met her, though. And so now I'm in line at the new music seminar getting ready to get registered, and somebody taps me on the back, and I turn around, and she's like, are you MC Light? And I was like, yeah. She might have said, I'm Queen Latifah, and I was like, yeah. She was like, Princess of the Posse, because I knew the song. Oh, I didn't so know funny. her name. And I was like, oh. And we were inseparable from there. This is Nas. Growing up in Queensbridge, I never imagined the music I heard blasting at the park would change my life. It transformed the world. But it did. And I've met a lot of people along the way who feel the same. Take this journey with me to explore how we built the culture and continue to carry on tradition. You're now listening to The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Minya O, a.k.a. Miss Info. MC Light shattered the boundaries and expectations of what a female MC would sound like. On this episode, Light talks about her battle with Antoinette, nailing her first audition for her future producer's audio too, her deep connection with the native tongues and Biz Marquee, and then Nas shares his own secret admiration for Light that goes way, way back. MC Light stands tall amongst golden era MCs. She is highly respected as one of the most skilled MCs of all time. Light may have not been the first female MC, but she made it known that one should never judge an MC before listening to them. Her devastating wordplay and instantly recognizable voice made her a giant you didn't want to test. To this day, MC Light still gets the respect she undeniably deserves. are in the presence of greatness. I know. And, you know, <laughs> Light, I had you on my wall 
I was like, you know, I'm going to date that girl. When that's well. my girl. That's my girl. Oh, she wearing those earrings today. Oh, her hair's like that yeah. today. You know, your style, the fashion, everything. But when I first heard your voice, it was probably cram to understand you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what cram, I didn't know that was a word, right? Mm. So I was like, damn, we understand. I was changing the words. Oh. But I know I know that song by heart. Yeah. I bet you. I used to be in love with this guy named Sam. I don't know why when he had the head that of a clamp. See, I got the <laughs> mm in there. Yeah. Yo, but you know, the story is one of the greatest hip-hop stories, the most street beats, the flow was out of this world. And it was so much in that song that taught me just just different words and di- different phrases. And you were saying all the things that we were saying. And Empire Skate Rink, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I heard of it, but I was I was guess I was too young mm-hmm. to go there. But a place like Empire had a name was renowned like your biggest club today. Okay. But on the street side, because it was in Brooklyn, right? It was in Brooklyn, across the street from the White Castles. White Castles. <laughs> and you knew it because after skating, we was lining up at the White Castle. So she met dude mm-hmm. Sam. Sam. At the at the spot, at the live spot. So you know he's a live wire. Mm-hmm. And you're painting this Brooklyn story. Yeah. I, I definitely went to Empire Roller Rink every Sunday. That was the spot. All the Brooklyn heads, you know, specifically because, you know, Brooklyn is so much of, the Caribbean, you know. Which part was you from? East Brooklyn? Flatbush on the other side of Utica where the 90s are. Right. And so that was our rink and we would go there every Sunday. And But the story is fictitious. All of it? Uh, there were no uh, Sam's? Sneakers and hats, you know. <laughs> I just, first off, I was influenced by Melly Mel and the message. Like, I loved how he painted the Bronx. And that at that age, I had never been to the Bronx. But when that record came out, it was like 78, seven, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I was a kid. And to hear all those nuances. And then, of course, Slick Rick came with Lottie Dottie. And it was right. like, I want to paint this story. And so that's where I came up with all of that fictitious stuff. But I also wasn't blind to crack. You know, wherever you were, you could see crackheads. And yeah. Audio 2. The hardest record in the world, top billing. Yeah. You come from the hardest crew. Did you grow up with them? No. As a matter of fact, I grew up with one of the guys that was signed to a group called Alliance that was with the same record label, Eric Cole. We used to write rhymes together in in junior high school. And then after we uh, went to high school, we went to separate high schools, he hit me up and said, did I want to join a group? Did I want to start a group with this girl that lived on his block? And so we would get together on Saturdays. We would write rhymes. You know, we were part of this group called Pure Elegance. Don't laugh. Wow. My name was Sparkle. No. Yes. Good names. And her name was Dazzle. Oh. <laughs> Sparkle to light. I so, get it. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, what happened is we found a manager. The manager tried to get us to pay him to go into the studio, which wasn't going to work. And then I just started working. I was part of a co-op program in school. So I was working at the World Trade Center at Bear Stearns. And there I was learning numbers and all kinds of stuff, having fun. Once a week school, work week, you know, you sort of went back and forth. Huh. And and then I had two jobs at night. So my school week, I'd work at Chi-Chi's Mexican Restaurant at King's Plaza in Brooklyn. And on my week at Bear Stearns, I worked at 
the Beanstalk, which is at the McGraw-Hill building where Howard Stern used to be before he was with Sirius. But in any case, I worked there at night as a bus girl. I was about my paper. Like mm-hmm. I had to, I was making some money. And so he called me up one day and said, they're looking for a female artist. Do you want to go and check this record label out? And I was like, sure. I met up with him late, wintry night, cold as I don't know what. We got on the Staten Island Ferry. We got picked up in a Thunderbird. It was a Thunderbird. Some of the floor might have been missing. It was rough. (laughs) I was like, on a whim. And my mother was, you know, she was like, okay, now, I'm, (laughs) I'm trusting you know what you're doing. I was 16 years old. So I got in the car. We went to the house. Went down in the basement. There's like eight guys waiting down there to hear what I have. I've got my composition rhyme book. The only time I had rhymed before was with Clark Kent. Like Clark Kent and I knew one another from Latin Quarters. He had a a studio in his basement, went there, laid down the vocals to... How old were you at Latin Quarters? I was 14. Wow. You snuck you in? Wanted, like, no, I don't, no, no, no. They let you in. If you wanted to drink, you had to show your ID and get a band. Okay. So I was cool there at 14. I was there with older people that actually worked at Chi-Chi's Mexican Restaurant with mm-hmm. me. Because so we that was all a pretty gone. rough place sometimes, right? Latin Quarter? Yeah. Fight out, fights. Um, I, I don't ever remember hearing gunshots in there, but I do remember fights happening. But anyway, I auditioned there for them and... Cram to Understand was born that night. I opened up my composition book. I started saying, it was a poem. So I started saying the poem. He started messing with the Tascam. It was only four tracks. You could hear it, right? And he did the beat right there while I did the rhyme. And that was... At your tryout, Yeah, you I recorded Cram to Understand You. Yes. Cram to Understand four You. Four tracks. Mm-hmm. What, were the re- what was the reaction? <laughs> I don't understand. What does that... What? He stuck with four tracks. That, that means, you know how this nice what, studio How many tracks do you have? Yeah, like... I didn't even have four tracks. Four tracks was a big deal at the time. Okay. But in the music business that was happening, there was 48 track studios. <laughs> there was mm-hmm. a lot more. Okay. But hip hop started raw mm-hmm. and people didn't have equipment like that. So yeah. they made the best out of what they whatever had. they had. Well, the funny thing is, there's every everything like that is in the hood, right? So there were remotes to TVs. We didn't know about it. Lana! Yeah. Come change the channel for me. We 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 didn't know microwaves. We were still putting stuff in the oven. We, we didn't, didn't know. know we didn't know self-defrosting refrigerators. We had to help <laughs> our mother know. defrost put that I get dig all of that crazy looking ice out the sides of the ice mm-hmm. box. So that was just another thing that we didn't know. Four tracks. But that created such a raw sound that can't be duplicated now. Right. A lot of the best hip-hop records from what people call the golden era yeah. are made on those kind of, that that amount of equipment, like nothing. So The simplicity. They're trying to recreate that rawness now. With, tr- with, every with, day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every, the goal is to create mm-hmm. songs like Cram to Understand You. What yeah. was the reaction in the room when, when you just like, I mean, you're a petite woman. But they can tell. There's there's a glow about you. Well, (laughs) thank you, Nas. No. I think that it it was, they were surprised, like, oh, she's ready. Like, how more ready can you get? I was practicing with George Lucian, who's actually Full Force's father. 
Because oh. my mom knew George Lucian. So on Saturdays, he would come over and I would practice with my brush in the living room and I would do salt and pepper songs. Wow. And and I was ready. So by the time I got to them, I was speaking from the diaphragm. I was like, I just like a test, just, just like a... And they were like, oh my God, she's ready. So... I just was prepared. That's why I tell anybody, if there's anything you want to do, prepare for that moment. Never take anything for granted. And just because I rap doesn't mean, okay, I want to act now, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to go take acting classes. Mm-hmm. That I want to do VO. Oh, I better believe I'm going to go to do some voiceover classes. You got to be prepared for that moment. So when it comes, you're ready. Was your first video paper then? No, my first video was I'm Not Having It. Oh, you're right. With Positive K. At the bar. At the bar. <laughs> Positive K. Yes, shout out to Positive Oh, my he God. He doesn't get his credit. He's crazy is... big in the pods. Oh, man. Yeah. It he... was two that was my anthem. Well, years later, he did. But actually, we did Come on, still... step up front. Oh, yeah, step up baby, front. Come on. That one in his <sighs> many styles. Many Forget styles. about it. Yeah, that's milk. So with uh, Georgie Porgy. Yeah, Georgie Porgy. That song, mm-hmm. he died. He did you, die. What you were telling us, real, it was real content, like life. Yeah, I, was ju- I just put everything horrendous that could ever happen. Well, yeah. I just put it there. What's yeah. funny is I was in the studio working with Paris from EPMD. Right. We did a song uh, called Slave to the Rhythm. And um, the engineer, Doc... He was like, I got some tracks. You want to hear something? I was like, sure. When he put on Toto, Poor Georgie, I just remember listening to that as a kid. Right. I was like, oh, wow, I get to be a part of this song? Yeah, give it to me. And it, I just went with what it made me feel. And so it just felt like something tragic. Hmm. And so, yeah, in this story, he's, you know, smoking and drinking and hanging out and driving drunk. And so he got it. I gave it to him. Everything. Cancer. It's a lot. <laughs> Just I know it's terrible. Realities of life. And was none of that was based in? Was that like an amalgamation of different true stories that you had heard, or like people that you knew? No. Do you uh, drink cappuccino? I did not then. <laughs> like, I did not then. <laughs> yeah, no. That song scared me from cappuccino. Let me tell to you today. What, the song. It was a metaphor for. Cocaine? No, no, no. It was cappuccino. It was a store. It was. I was going to a cafe to get a cup of cappuccino. But in the store, everything happened. In this small little cafe in Little Italy, there was a shootout that happened. Oh, wow. Right. So it was really cappuccino. Oh, my God. Right. But let me tell you, Marley Mall did that. And he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he was so mad at that rhyme. He was like, can't you, can't you talk about something else on this beat? And I was like, no. Molly Moss seems very picky about what rappers are talking about because there's a, another legendary story where he didn't like what Rakim was doing to uh, check out my melody. It was too slow. But then later <laughs> on, he, some producers, you know, they just, they have their own ear. They have their own, yeah. what they want to hear on this track. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you not doing this the right way to this track? <laughs> Molly's just such a genius that, you know, he just knows what he wants to hear. But... Mm-hmm. Especially producers yeah. from that era, because they're they heavily involved. involved. Yeah, yeah. They more involved. yeah, and they want to see the success of it, and right. they're, they're not just trying to sell your beat. They right. they know their name is on it. You know, right. it's mm. like yeah, Milk is like that. 
Really? Yeah, like I remember plenty of times we was arguing about stuff because he wanted me to do it over. You should do that over. You could, oh, okay, what do you want different? Like, I need direction. If if, if you're not going to tell me what to do differently, then why isn't what I've done enough? So you guys will fight in the studio? Yeah. Wow. But he also, you know, Milk also had to, you know, rework that. Rework it. Like, now I'm, I'm just in and out. You know, I get it. But at 16, 17, I was much more about painting the picture, being heard, using the words that I had chosen than I was about being in pocket. It was like, okay, pocket? What pocket? Get out of here. I just got something to say. So that's why a lot of my stuff sounds like I'm talking over the tracks because much of that first album was poetry from my book, from my little composition book. So he would tell me, okay, no, rework that. You know, if that's what you're going to do, follow that pattern, you know. Like when I did something with Eric, he was like, damn, like I got so many flows. Like I'll do four different flows in one verse. Eric Sermon. Yeah, Eric Sermon. How many tracks did you work on together? In our lifetime, probably two with him and two with Paris. With Eric, at one point I had joined the Def Squad. What? Uh Uh-huh. I joined the Def Squad. I'm on a track with him and Rod Digger, but... Then it wasn't nothing happening with the Def Squad. I'm like, I said, I'm going to expose you, Eric Sermon. How are you going to have me join something and then the thing go defunct? Like, what? You and Rod Digger sounds amazing. She's so dope. Yeah, Rod Digger. She's hot. She got punchlines and she always got you going and always thinking, you know, when, yeah. you, when, you, um, when you listen. And I'm all about giving something more that is the subtext. And she's all about that. Essence of hip hop, especially in that day, was some battling. There was your huge, huge hip hop battle with Antoinette. She put out a record, Attitude. And we said, oh, this girl is dope. But back then, you couldn't do anything close to what anybody else was doing, or if you thought they was doing. Today, everybody sounds alike. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not, people have their own unique stuff, but. Back then, it was so, so authentic. Could you get into that a little bit, the battle? So Audio 2 had spoken with uh, Herbie Lovebug. Yeah. And they had an agreement that Herbie Lovebug was going to have a girl group, another girl group that he had. It was three girls in this group. They were dancers at one point, like hip-hop dancers. Hi-Hat and Swatch, and it was one other girl. And they were going to do a song called Stop Illin'. Which then would have breathed more life into Top Billing. Oh, right? so Top like Billing, an answer record? right, okay. right, like an answer record. And so he said he was going to do it, and then time kept going and going and going. He never did it. And then we're coming home from Boston one day. As soon as we got close enough, we could hear the Magic Show, Mr. Magic, and Molly Mall, and we hear this the impeach beat being used in a different way, and. One of the lines, I think she says, my bodyguard something. And automatically they took offense. And they were like, oh, no, he didn't. Da, ba, ba. Like, you got to diss her. And I was like, me? And it was like, yeah, because you a girl. We can't, we're not going to be able to get away with that. I was like, yeah, 
I got a dissertation. You, know, like, <laughs> you got I'm amped just, up. You got, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what, 17, 18? And so um, we just did a show, a whole run in Boston. Went to Skippy's record store, all of that stuff. Drove all the way back home, heard the record, and went straight to INS on Mary Street to the studio. We probably got there 2 o'clock in the morning, recorded this song. Back then, Giz wanted to be an engineer, but he wasn't really. He made a mistake and got rid of all the vocals. So I had to do all the vocals oh all God. over again. I was like... <laughs> but anyway, now he's like a sought-after mixer. People love him to mix stuff, just not that day. He wasn't ready. <laughs> but in any case, I put it down. We put it out. And, of course, the whole camp over there was upset. And The then name they, of the song was called 10%, 10 this, this. 10% This. Is this Hot Damn Ho? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know God. where, where um, Little Kim does it yep. on uh, Quiet Storm? To hear that years later, mm-hmm. did you smile? Uh, Yeah. I thought it was homage. I thought mm-hmm. it was paying homage and yeah. for another Brooklyn girl mm-hmm. to do it. And then Foxy. And then Foxy. <laughs> right after. And there was another, and it was a beef. It was a beef. <laughs> There you go. So 10% this is that dynamic, you know what I mean, of a song. At that point, did you hear any feedback from Herbie's side? Yeah, I mean, I think they was a little pissed because then she came with Lights Out. Right. And and then I had to come with what I came with. And uh, that was Shut the F Up. (laughs) It's just so silly, right? The bars was... Was so vicious. Vicious. Yeah, it was it was killer it was killer type stuff. But to me, it all lived on the wax. Like I, if I saw her, what was I gonna do? You know, like did y'all ever? It was never we like that. We saw way. each other one time at the world, and it was a huge music something that I think it might have been during the new music new music seminar. Mm-hmm. And we came in, and I didn't know she was gonna be there. It could have been a setup on my management's part because I didn't know she was going to be there. And I only think of that because they were like, come on, light, do it, do it. So we get up on the stage and she says something and then I say something and then the whole crowd, you know, goes for me only because I had more records out. They had built an affinity towards MC Light already. So I'm only, I'm like two two records deeper Hmm. than her which caused the crowd to, you know, come part with me, wanted to be on my side. But years later, I we I wish do... that was on camera. I know. I, I, wish... I, I was just about this to say. This is one of the not... biggest battles because they both are so dope. I was learning from these two. Yeah. And this is one of the most dopest battles, you know, from that time mm-hmm. and even to now. Mm-hmm. I played this battle for a female rapper before. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I won't name a name. And it was just, I saw her face was just like, oh, shit. And I'm looking at her face like, you don't know about this? Uh, Or are you acting like you don't know? (laughs) But But Antoinette, I just wanted to say that we did a big female MC show in Atlanta. And, you know, (laughs) K-Rock comes into the dress room. He's like, "Um, Antoinette's at the door. She wants to say hi. And I was like. Ant- Antoinette? He was like, yeah, Antoinette. I was like, wow. oh, Antoinette? Yeah, sure. Let her in, you know. And so How we got, long ago was this? Yeah, how many this years after? Like maybe four years ago. 
We oh, did okay, a, more recent. Yeah, we did a big show in Atlanta. It was like Rod Digger, Remy, Moni, Yo-Yo, Trina. Oh, that's it, all, it was all big, the female, yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was a big show. And so we finally got a chance to kind of meet. That was our first time meeting and talking. And, you know, I had to apologize because really you don't, when you're young like that, you don't understand the power of like smashing somebody hmm. because that was a whole nother life for her that she could have had. And I'm sure if she would have kept making music, just not about me, it might have panned out for a longer ride. Oh, that's interesting. Because she got, you know, fixated on, I'm going to fix her. That's what it became about. And people was just like, oh, no, you can't dislike. You uh -huh. know, they, it became more about defending me than it could have been like, oh, wow, she's dope too. You know? Warrior. Yeah. It's like warrior stuff. Mm. Like Rome in the middle of the room. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Back then, Gladiators. It, was, it was real gladiator yeah. sport back then. Coliseum. Yeah. It was no playing around. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I can't help myself. I'm such a New Yorker. What was it like? Like you only about. I'm what? not that far from. Um, I was right behind you. But he was I the was, kid, so he couldn't get I, into I, the. I was oh, right okay. behind you. Yeah. I started young too, so okay. I was right there. Mm -hmm. But it was the clubs. It feels like that Nas really feels like he missed, missed out on it. What club did you like better, Union Square or Latin Quarter? Okay, so it's very different feels right there. <laughs> you know, Latin Quarters is the type of place you don't want to be in there when they turn on the lights. 
because there's gum and it just looks terrible. Yeah. The club's period did not look like what I feel the Biggie era turned it into. Mm. The Biggie and Puffy era turned hip-hop clubs into plush seating and velour and booths and, you know. Before that, it all looked like a nasty basement with gum on the floors and spray paint and people drawing and spitting all over the walls. Mm -hmm. It It was terrible. Like, you wouldn't want to sit down in any of those places. But out of the two, Latin quarters felt more like a clubhouse, kind of. Like, you knew everybody. Like, I'm sitting next to Chris Rock and Heather Hunter. And, wow. You know, it's like all of this mosh of you look over and it's Rock him and Eric B. Matter of fact, I used to carry a camera. So I've got photos of inside Latin quarters, inside Union Square. Union Square was much more, you'd get a lot more Brooklyn in there because it was closer, it was 14th as opposed to Midtown. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't want to mix. Growing up there, I didn't even know there were gangs. There were gangs, but I didn't know. I just knew all the people. What's up? What's up? But you could sort of feel the tension in Union Square. And then in Union Square, showtime is over. Somebody's bubble goose is getting razored. There's goose all over the place feathers Feathers. yeah there's feathers all over the place you don't know bubble goose yeah yeah they would slash those in a minute then everybody's running to get out of the place i think it was more violent at union square than latin quarters latin quarters you kind of felt like it was a family will you publish those pictures or put them out i want to they were on film though right so it's like literally rolls of film that you've Never developed? No, no, I have the pictures. You have them developed? Yeah, I have albums. Can you imagine the gems? New Music Seminar. New Music. I got pictures from the New Music Seminar. How La and I met. I had been in the studio, you know, with Prince Paul, because mm-hmm. he was Stetsasonic, but he also developed De La Soul. So right. he kept talking about, matter of fact, Plug Tuning, I think, had just come out. And it was like, Plug One. Plug two. Um, and they had told us about this girl. And and so we were like, okay. So he played something. And it was like, Princess of the Posse. She said, you said, cool one. She rhymed Jamaican and she rhymed Jamaican. You know, that yeah. whole thing. And I was like, oh, I love her voice. Right. And so I had met her, though. And so now I'm in line at the New Music Seminar getting ready to get registered. And somebody taps me on the back. And I turn around. And she's like, are you MC Light? And I was like, yeah. She was like, she might have said I'm Queen Latifah. And I was like, yeah. She was like, Princess of the Posse. Because I knew the song. Oh, I didn't so know funny. her name. And I was like, oh. And we were inseparable from there. It's like, you get wow. two girls who are into hip hop at the new music seminar. We go into the DJ Supremacy contest. <laughs> we go like, and then we hook back up. And now it's tri, you know, it's Tribe Called Quest, which they hadn't released their music yet, but we knew them, you know. So we're hanging out. At the time, I, I guess we called ourselves somewhat Dayton Q Tip and I, as much as sixteen year, sixteen wow. to seventeen year olds Lucky do. Best. Oh, you silly! <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Q Tip. <laughs> Wait a minute, I sure, I sure didn't know what I was doing. At 16, I was like, okay, this is what we do. Hang out. That's adorable. Um, <laughs> but we hung out. The Jungle Brothers, yeah. you know, uh, Mike and Africa. 
Wow. I'm trying to think who else was Jeez. there. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Can you imagine just Moni, running around with native Moni. tongues? Moni, La, and we spent Q-tip, a, your boo. Yeah, we would go to um, Payday. <laughs> it was nothing but a sea of white folks listening to hip-hop. We'd be the only black people there. And, and they would serve Rolling Rock. And they would take over spaces. Patrick Motsky, he would just mm-hmm. take over all these spaces. And he had Payday, he had $100,000 bar. He would name the clubs after different candy bars. But he does really huge uh, Dan- EDM dance, and dance EDM, stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. When you were running around in that kind of switch the era when Dayla and Q-Tip and all them came, did you change stylistically? Did you start wearing oh. the leather pendant and the... Well, and the paisley no. and the I no, like, did I you change wore, your style? I had an African pendant when everybody else had one. Like in eighty nine, mm-hmm. you know, when it was what we did. But I I was never defined by it. So I could wear my rope, take off my rope, put that on, you know, whatever I was feeling at the time. We hear a lot about artists that did so many incredible things, but then there's a space afterwards that they have a hard time filling, you know, where they either say that they fell out of love with hip-hop or they they kind of struggling or they're feeling lost. Did you not go through that? Like, it doesn't seem like you're like, Mm. and then I tried to make another record and the record didn't hit. And it's like... You always seem to be in control. Right. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) There's some pivotal moments. Let me just say that. One was me making the decision to leave... I I don't want to say I left a person. I left a label. When I left that first label, I was then going to Will Smith's label. Will Smith was with Interscope. It's great. Big, you know, big deal. Got all ready. I got I'm in living in Los Angeles. I had seen facts of life. I wanted to, I wanted to act. I thought I should have been Tootie. Uh, I, I'm, I got to get to Los Angeles by all means necessary. And I used to watch the Golden Girls, and the sun used to come through their window. And I said, you know what? I want to be where they are, even though it was fake. It was like lights around a set. I still thought that's where I'm headed. So anyway, I start working for that record label. And then he his record label gets dropped from Interscope. And I heard it was all because he went and spent a buttload of money on a video. And Interscope had changed their model to we're looking for airplay, you know, a certain amount of airplay before we commit to a video. But, yeah, so Will was looking to recoup his money back that he had laid out for this video. And they were like, no, we ain't doing it like that anymore. And then it just kind of all went away. So now I was ass out. Like, okay, what am I going to do now? I left my label of 13 years to come with my guy, my big bro. And now his label is gone. So, yeah, I had some moments. I I had to figure it out. Well, wasn't it on Will then to be like, don't worry, I got you? Uh, I mean, well, he paid me out the rest of my, you know, deal? my deal. So I had a stipend, you know, so that would pay me for, yeah. you know, 24 months. But, wh- okay, what's going to happen after these 24 months? So I got to figure it out. I remember being in a studio with a younger guy was doing some work or whatever. And I was complaining about today's hip hop. And this was 12 no, this had to be like 15 years ago or something. I was complaining about it. I was like, this, this isn't... He was like, well, then why don't you just stop? And I was like, stop? What do you mean? That's not an option. And at the time, I was in the studio working on a track that I got because Jay-Z didn't want it. 
It was with a Premier track. And I had wanted to work with Premier for years. But because of his price, my A&R guy didn't want to pay it. He was like, I'm not going to, I I can't put him in your budget for this, but I, I want a track from Premier. Mm-hmm. Not for that amount. He didn't have respect. So I had to wait till I was off of that label and then got a track haphazardly. A second hand <laughs> right. primo track. A second hand primo track that I gladly took. Um, <laughs> does that happen? Do they does the price yeah. go down if you get it passed? Primo's off? primo. I know. He's primo. But <laughs> and if you're in the system, if you're in the system, then you you gotta pay what the system says. Yeah. But here I am on the outside oh. now. He's like, okay, like here, take that. And I took it and, you know, it's called the wonder years. You blink and I appear like a cloud of smoke, like a full court press and I choke or you choke when I'm near. Pull up a chair. Let me explain how I maintain the youthful glow for y'all that don't know. It's called H2O. So stop asking when I walk by how I look so young and stay that fly. It's elementary. Kick the liquor when you turn dirty 30. The rest is a secret. So I keep it for the worthy. Some of y'all really should be doing a bid, spitting lyrics that's worse than riddling for kids, saying light. They don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Man, they don't, they don't know. Pass, yeah. on, pass on the insight. Teach a seat about light. And how was the first female smashed the mic? Yeah, Nucka. I speak the facts of life while a whole lot of others was trash on the mic. Still showing MCs what cash look like from the Jetta to the Porsche to the Navi. I'm tight. What I got, it's hot. You can have it too. Praise God, work hard. All you got to do. I was born to be the light to get the spark in the dark. Teach the truth to the youth, the ghetto Joan of Arc. But now these kids put you at the head of your throne. And all you give them back is raps about your bone. Getting head in your whip, studio in your home. Well, who cares? Because your dummies all look like clones. Ah. Yo. I'm just saying. Shots fired. So, 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 so I just. Shots fired. I just did that rhyme in that studio because that kid told me, stop complaining about these young people. Do what you do or leave it alone. Or go. Or go. So I, I put that rhyme down and Premier was like, ooh, this, this is too much. So he sat on the record. It needed a hook. I was like, dress it with a hook. He sat on it till he, two years later, he was playing it in the studio with these cats. And they was like, oh, oh my God. (laughs) So one of them put a hook on it. And now it lives. It's got a video to it. It's called Wonder Years. The fans, you know, MC Light fans know of the song. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I've had times. And then it, it was another time after that I was... In the Bahamas somewhere, ran into at another Michael Jordan Invitational. And somebody said, oh, my God, it's MC Light. When are you dropping a new record? And finally, I could say, I don't know. Yeah. Whenever I feel like it. Right. But I kept feeling like I had to meet the demands of the request. You know, like, when you coming? Oh, I, I got something coming December. You know, like, I don't even know. And it felt so good. It just like with bricks just lifted off because I needed time to assess what I was going to do next. And that's where people miss it. Yeah. You know, it's like, OK, somebody in the game said they're not in it anymore or of it anymore. And they they get pressed up against the wall. So they feel like, OK, I got to make a new album or I got to go out on the road. But why don't you just sit for a second and feel what it is that you want to do next? Yep. What are you inspired to do next? And the music, when it's ready, it comes. You know, you can't yeah. force it. Yeah. You could be like, hey, when you're coming out, people can ask you. But it comes a time when you're like, you know, I can't force this. I have to really feel it to make this record. Mm-hmm. And then that 
you know, then it happens. Yeah. But you put out hit after hit from decade to decade, and that is not easy. And yeah. that has not been done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the respect for you is, is never goes away. I think you have that right to, to not do anything that people are just doing just for the hype. Yeah. And going back to that, that rhyme you just said, Mm -hmm. I did it from the Jettas to the, this, Mm -hmm. when you pulled up in the video, (laughs) paper thin, (laughs) you said, yo, there's something you guys paper thin. I know, you know, that record right there Mm. was the craziest is the craziest record. And when the video dropped, she felt it. And she's like, you going to go take the train when you got these fly-ass Jettas? The Jetta? Mm. Like, the Jetta. for somebody who wasn't around, that doesn't sound like a fly Car. ride, right? So please explain, Nas, where that flies. takes you. The Jetta. See, today it's like, oh, this car is hot. It's a Bugatti. Mm. Everybody, you have to have it's a... It's the price. It's yeah. the price. I yeah. got to get the car whether I like the way it look or yeah. not. Some mm. people like it. I like it. I like the way a Bugatti... But... The Jetta had character. Mm. I think back then you would buy cars and it would say something about the driver, like the character. Mm-hmm. A Benz was always the fly car. Yeah. Okay. This was always the fly car. That was all. The Jetta was like in between the most solid, flyest four-door. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect perfect car. I mean, I remember yeah. like it was a drug dealer flex to pull up with yeah. like matching Jettas like a row of them. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and then there was you other You shut times... down a Benz. Well, we, right. we, we, had, we a... had that flex because yeah. all of us had one. Milk, Giz, and myself. But just a row. We had all Jettas, burgundy just... Jettas but we all had something that was different about it. Like either somebody had a different set of rims or mm. somebody had a little silver, you know, thing that rode along the side the of it. The kit was different. Yeah, yeah. So we all knew when we walked up to our cars which one was ours. A row but, of yeah. burgundy Jettas yeah. shutting it down. What? I know that along with hip-hop, you do so many other things. Yeah. So at what point did you move out here to L.A. Mm-hmm. and and kind of like tap into, I mean, you're very connected to... Show business in general, movies everything. And everything. <laughs> well, I remember long ago my first manager, which by the way, I'm on my third manager now. And the first one was 13 years. The second one was 13 years. And oh, wow. this one is 12 years right now. Number four is coming. <laughs> or no, oh, this one is going to three times the charm. <laughs> exactly. This one's going to yeah, work. It's like yeah, 13 that, years. That my it. time is almost up. That might be it. I just think it was, you know, different phases of my career and what it is that I needed. But that first manager always said to me, we're going to make your name matter whether you have a hit record or not. Okay. And that just always stayed with me. And I figured, you know, there's so many things that I love to do. How about, like, just become a renaissance woman and do it all? But do it well, so don't spread so thin that you're doing things that you don't want to study before you try to do them. And so that's how I got into VO and and acting, and now taking on EP, executive producer. I have a TV show coming on uh, AMC's All Black sitcom wow. called Partners in Rhyme. Wow. And so I'm really excited about that because now that opens the doorway to me doing more sitcom. Now, I just directed my first short. It's called Break Up in Love, about consciously uncoupling, which I had to do. Wow, what is a conscious uncoupling? Now, aside from what the way that, and like, Gwyneth Paltrow. It's is like, this your second marriage, by the way? No. It's your first. Yes. It's like um, you care for the person. 
Okay. You know, you really, because you're friends first, or at least you should have been. And that's, that's literally how all of my relationships go anyway. It's like there has to be a friendship there. We have to be able to enjoy one another, you know, and have some similarities and have some things that may be polar opposite. But just caring enough to not say, get out of here. Right. Or not saying F you or not saying, you know, breaking up is so hard to do. No, it's breaking <laughs> up is so hard to do anyway. So how about we just do it with some love and some care? It's easier to love. Some people say, you know, it's easier to be mad than I don't got to think. But then you don't really want to grow. You don't want to think about all the things that got you there. Because I'm partly responsible just as he mm-hmm. is. So this short break up in love is about that. And so literally just locked picture wow. on it. It's, it's like 22 Congrats. minutes. Congratulations. But it's, yes. Yeah, it's my directorial debut. Wow. Which, which I'm excited about. So yeah, just getting into the things that I love and want to do more of. I learned from you in a time when you came in, automatically you are a pioneer because women wasn't getting they just do. Mm. And it was a tough scene. I wasn't even in the rap game, but you, Stetsasonic, Just Ice, Slick Rick. Dougie. Wait, how about this? I knew your product manager really well because I had an artist sign there. I Who had was Lin- that? I had Lynn Q there through Rough House. I remember Lynn Q. For, I, yeah, for a minute. Yeah, and so Ty, Thais. Thais, yeah, yeah. Thais Harris. Yep, yeah. Thais Harris. So she and I were good friends because she worked Lynn Q's stuff. And then when you came on the scene, we we were there in her office listening to your first record. Oh, she, wow. well, she called you up and was like, I got somebody yeah. you got to hear? Well, no, we just happened to be in her office, right. uh, Lynn Q and I. And when she played it, it was like, oh, ooh. Can I tell you about you your Man, contribution? I can't. My Please dude, do it. I want to hear this. Dude. I got to hear this. No, I cannot. He's going to be so I uncomfortable. Can't. One of the most respected and you talk about mysterious dude. Yeah, Come I never on see now. You know anywhere. what you do. You know what you do. You talk about you don't see me. We never saw you. <laughs> what was your first impression? Like beyond just like, oh, there's a lot of hype. Uh, first off, it was so many hits. So many hits. I mean, and through the decades, you know, he just keeps coming mm. back. I, I remember I snatched up I Know I Can, and we, I did it in the show, you know, wow. in, in my show. We would play the music, and we would play his hook. I know I be what I want to be, be wow. one, if I work hard for it. And then I would just do 10% this right off of your hook. Yeah. <laughs> you heard that? No. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to look for it. If I would have known that I'd be sitting here. Yeah. In Los Angeles, with you, Minya, and yeah. MC Light in 2021, and she told me that she did 10% this off something I made. Crazy. As a kid, yeah. it would messed my life up because I wouldn't. I thought, I, I don't have to work, y'all. I'm going to be set. <laughs> Look. If you wouldn't told me that as a kid, oh, I don't have to work hard because guess what's going to happen in the future? Right. That's all I would have needed to know was going to happen in the future. That's a very interesting pairing, too. Those two songs. Because it's the impeach well, the president it's, it's right. track. the president, But yeah. the vibe is so different. So different. Build you yeah. up and tear you right down. Right. 
No. Hot damn hole. Here we go again. Sucker still beat when you know you're winning. Shoulder beat. Are you having fun? It does. You now know me what? Me the odds about to show you how, how it's done. done. Yeah. The beat is so. Mm-hmm. You don't even really care that you it's. You can say talk, talk about yeah, anything. Yeah. But uh, it's great. <laughs> you know, very well respected. And, Man, you know, I feel, I feel like I could be wrong, but I think I understood when you felt the resurgence. Mm. When you felt like or had a deep understanding of I'm going and I'm going big. Yes. I felt it. It was like just watching you in, you know, in video and not necessarily a music video, but just movement. Mm-hmm. And then in in photos, I was like, OK, he has a whole new understanding of what this business is. And I don't even know if I knew it then. Like, I don't know that I had the understanding of the business. I just was like, he about to go. Wow. And that was inspiring. You know, right. whenever us in this business, when we see someone else figure it out, it's like, okay, right. this is going to help me figure it out. Right. So you've been an inspiration to me. Wow. Wow. I did something <laughs> great, America. <laughs> UK, <laughs> Africa, Europe, uh, China. Right. I did something great. MC Light said, she knows who I am. You are crazy. That's all I need. I'm inspired. It's a dream of mine to sit down and pick brains of people who gave me so much, who I thought was like basically my teachers, my my music teachers, life mm-hmm. teachers. And, you know, just to have this moment, it means, it means everything is a dream. Appreciate it. Thank you, mystery man. <laughs> Thank you, madam. <laughs> On the next episode of The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop, we talk to none other than icon Rev Run. The funny thing about being 16, 17, 18 years old is going to do shows in the middle of the Bronx at a roller skating ring, and you're a kid, and there's a bunch of gangsters there. But I would send D out first, because I was punking puss. I'm like, what is going on? Oh, I'm just scared. <laughs> and D said, I asked him, I said, how did you have the courage to go out in the middle of this roller skating ring Crazy looking dudes with quarter field coats, guns. He said, because I didn't think I was DMC. I thought I was a superhero. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From Spotify, the executive producers are Gina Delvec and Jason Rodriguez, with additional production support from Leslie Guam and Andrea Salenzi. And special thanks to Courtney Holt, Jessica Dow, and everyone at Spotify who helped the bridge come to life. From Mass Appeal, the executive producers are myself, Nas, Peter Bittenbender, Jenya Meggs. Lead producer is Medina Parwana, and associate producer is Serge Jabrija. Our writer is Gabe Alvarez. Samara Linga and Cliff Cristofaro are our editors. Thanks for listening. <laughs>